Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We've got the whole squad of four here today. Uh, Av's off day. We actually get a couple of off day pods this week. It feels like it's been a while since we get to do them on the regular. And the league has provided us with uh, quite a few conversations to have over the next couple of days. So should be a fun time to look around the league. Before I do that, though... Megan, it's been a minute since you've been on the show. Glad to have you back in front of the camera. I want to start with vibes from the Colorado Avalanche. You were in the locker room after the shootout win the other night. Where are the Avs at right now? Do they feel good about beating some good teams in the NHL? Do they feel like they let one get away against Florida? Where are they at? I really appreciated the attitude after the Florida game. Devon Taves wrote it off as we're fine. It was just a one-off. I think that there was absolutely disappointment, but there was also recognition that to be able to pull from behind for a significant amount of that game, the way that they did, despite obvious goaltending struggles, nobody was going to be quick to say that part of it out loud, but I think that's why the vibes in the room, even after the Florida game, were still very good, and why they continue to be good then against Boston. Even Ross Colton at Morning Skate before Boston, I don't want to say it was a defiant attitude like between Taves it was a one-off we're fine and Ross Colton being like I thought we played pretty well for a good amount of that Florida game I kind of appreciate that quality in the <laughs> attitude then that they're kind of like we're fine what are you guys worried about <laughs> yeah. as media right and so I appreciated that I think the vibes are good obviously the whole point of this show is talking about some of the still glaring needs of not only the abs but other teams around the league and so that remains a concern. But getting a great game from Georgiev after the Boston game was another thing that was quietly noticed. Like, I almost thought Georgiev was going to leave because no one had really talked to him post-game. Mm. Everybody was talking to Makar and Malinsky, and I thought Georgiev played a great game, so I went over there solo right before he was about to leave and, and started talking, and then eventually more people came. But he almost snuck out without <laughs> even being addressed by the media. And he had a really good attitude, too. You can always tell when you catch him after games like that that he is feeling good about himself and a little bit of defiance. Like, I try to build confidence every day, not after games that are good, <laughs> even after the bad ones, too. <laughs> so I appreciated it, and I think the vibes are good all around. What uh, What's your take on the stick-breaking spree he's been on? I know he's not a big fan of it, so... I am not a huge fan of it. I don't think Georgiev endorses that behavior even himself he seemed cautious in how he wanted to talk about it because you knew there was a little bit of guilt like I shouldn't be doing this essentially and Jared Bednar corroborates this too and no. leaves it to UC Parkala to address with Georgiev but it is something this shouldn't be the standard for, for Georgiev he chalks it up to really caring about winning and wanting to perform well but also recognizes that he needs to rein it in a little bit. I think that a broken stick in a season doesn't totally surprise me, but we've already had a couple, and between hitting Malinsky yeah. and now a couple broken sticks, it's different. It's a little too much. He needs to rein it in. Um, and when you look at the position of goaltending, it's so important for goaltenders to be in control of their emotions that this sort of reflects someone who's lost just a little bit of that control. And I think that's why even Georgiev acknowledges it's something he wants to rein in more than it has been this season. I'll jump in on this one, but I agree. And, and wanting to win, that's one thing, but part of winning is learning how to control your emotions. If you don't know how to control your emotions, you're not going to win. So it's very simple. This is such a fine line in the National Hockey League between winning and losing and and being a winner you know, as a you know personally as an athlete not forget about your team for a second but i agree with bednar like i'm on the other team i'm on the bench first thing i see is that it's like boys we got him let's go next whistle snow you know a little snow in his face and let's you know he, he's losing he's, he's coming off his injuries and and it's easy to see i mean it's not hard when you smack your stick and it goes i mean it's not like you're hiding so it's not <laughs> like guys didn't see it on the other team so you gotta you got to stop that. You got to be control. You got to be careful with, with that from now on. Again, we all want to win, so you have to learn how to win too. So it, sure. that's part of learning how to win and control your emotions. And I just think it's a bad look. 
you even look at last night, Swayman shoving Miko Rantanen after the power play goal. You can see, as media, just watching it, the Avs are in Swayman's head, even yep. last night. Absolutely. And he also, though, did rein it in and played very well. And I think that captures the importance of controlling the emotions on either side because both goaltenders had great performances in net, but they needed to rein it in a little bit. Yeah, got to be under control at all times. It's it's funny what uh, a 10-game stretch will do, going from Devon Taves calling out some teammates about if they're really here for the right reasons to... It's one loss, who cares? We're fine. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why it's important coming from Taves especially. Definitely. A fair point. <laughs> I, the Avs are in a bit of an interesting spot right now. You have Miles Wood, who'll be back. He just has an illness, no big deal. But you're now looking at a defense where, where's Josh Manson at right now? Byram has been put on IR. So the Avs essentially operating without two of their top 4D for the immediate future. Is there confidence in that locker room about the guys that they have, the Caleb Joneses, the Malinskis of the world? Or does it feel like they're just surviving until they get someone back? Manson, for sure, because of the way his play has grown throughout the course of this season and the sort of different thing that he brings to the decor that Malinsky and Jones don't. But Byram still hasn't found his footing. So it's not to say that his absence isn't missed. That would be quite a misinterpretation of what I'm saying. But they're getting some back-end contributions and puck moving from Malinsky that I think initially he is an adventure every time you watch him. You don't, there's some risk involved in watching Malinsky, but there's also some obvious production that has come with him in the lineup that I think if you'd asked me, after his first stint, how the team felt, there was probably some discomfort. But now I think that there is, is growing trust. You even see it in the team reactions when they see Malinsky score. I think that they're so much more on board now that they've seen him for a little bit. Even still, though, I think the absence of Manson is definitely felt, and they are, to some extent, just hanging on because those are difficult holes to fill. Like, then you've got some weird pairings. Jack Johnson's still in the mix somewhere. And yep. so somebody is not playing to their strengths when the lineup is shaped like that. And you're also really riding hard on Makar and Taves. And knowing Makar has been dealing with something from training camp onward, you don't love to see it. So you do want that relief to come sooner rather than later. But with Manson, it doesn't feel serious. I know last season... We were in such an unknown territory with him. Is he coming back? Is he feeling better? This feels so different. It's day-to-day, -day, lower body. He even tested it out at morning skate. I have every confidence we'll see him return back soon. And even the outlook for Byram is positive. I'm excited then for the opportunity to see what Malinsky does with, with this chance. And I think it brings up an interesting conversation about waivers with Jones and Ben Myers. Yeah, it's... I don't think anyone was shocked to see the Avs send Ben Myers down and try and save some of that waiver eligibility. But yeah. The other side of the forward side there, Arturi Lekkanen in a full contact sweater now. It sounds like he took quite a bit of contact today. Can the Avs realistically expect that guy back soon? The, the original timeline was 10 to 12 weeks. This is week nine-ish. Is he going to hit the front end of that estimate? I think so, and I think it's been trending that way now for a bit because he has seemed ahead of projection early into the process when we first saw him in a red no-contact jersey hit the ice as soon as he did. And I think that's why, even though he's not necessarily confirmed for the Toronto game, I think there's a good possibility that he gets in that game. And I don't doubt, too, that there's probably a little bit of getting his legs underneath him, but I think he'll come back pretty strong because... I don't think they're taking chances with him coming back prematurely. So I think he's just honestly ahead of schedule. Good to hear on that front. Uh, that's all I had for the abs. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on over the last little bit? I don't think so. All right. Let's get into some around the league stuff. Obviously, the big news of yesterday being the trade between Philadelphia and Anaheim. Uh, Jamie Drysdale going to Philadelphia for uh, Cutter Gauthier and a second round pick <coughs> in 2025. Let me get your initial impressions on this trade before we get into the whole conversation about how and why this played out. 
Do you think this is a good trade for either team? Do you think it's a good trade for both teams? Where are you at? It changes for Anaheim a lot, of depending on how. If, sure, well, fair if, enough. If Cutter Gauthier is a wing or a center, you feel very differently. Yep. Because if it's a wing, and Jamie Drysdale lives up to the potential, you probably don't feel great about it. Um, if you're Philadelphia and Jamie Drysdale doesn't live up to that potential, there's a pretty good chance you feel bad about it. But that's, I mean, you're, you're trading lottery tickets at this point. You know, like it's, it's a really rare deal because you don't see young guys traded like this at this stage of their careers with this kind of, uh, with this kind of pedigree ever. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's a really like funny enough. The last time we might've seen something quite, quite like this was Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, mm-hmm. which you watch Ryan Joe now and you're like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really rare deal. And then all the stuff that's come out in the yeah. last 24, not even 24, the last 12 hours since then, you know, the, the Flyers front office with a full publicity blitz yep. of like, he didn't want us, we didn't want him. <laughs> and, you know, really raising questions about why did this dude just ghost an organization for a year? Yep. You know, now there's this like, oh, well, they didn't sign him to an ELC and he didn't get his bonus money and they were going to be over the cap. And, you know, it, it, what, what exists is now, now comes across as very entitled. But I could not help but be reminded of Val Nachushkin in the postseason last year in that when... The swirling media fracas. Well, just when, when, when one of the sides, one of the entities involved is not coming out and talking about it, yeah. people will just fill in the blanks. Yep. And you saw it happen last year with Nachushkin where it became this All of a Russian sudden, mob, yeah. Ukrainian <laughs> nonsense stuff where you were like, what even is this? Like, how did we get here? And now Kevin Hayes is having to, de- like, waking up today and having to defend himself. You know, Kevin Hayes' family is is uh, getting death threats and stuff. You're like, Kevin, Kevin Hayes had nothing to do with any of this. Yep. But because somebody went on, went on to a thing one time and said, it could be this guy. Like, we, like we need a villain. It's, it's like we need the, and we'll find one. You give us, you give us long enough. Uh, you, you don't give us a definitive answer. We'll find one. You look at. What happened with the Connor Bedard, Corey Perry stuff earlier this year? We'll just run with whatever at this point. Yep. And when one of the sides isn't talking and there's no answer, we'll find one. It doesn't matter if it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if it's true. We will just decide that this is, this is how it is. Facts have, facts have stopped being facts and they've started being something that we choose. And... That struck me watching all of this take place. Um, and it reminded me a lot of the Nachushkin yeah. playoff, situ- playoff stuff where he didn't come out and the organization didn't come out and say, this is exactly what's happening. There's no transparency from that side. So people filled in blanks. Whereas the Flyers last night came out and were like, Here's all the laundry, man. Here it is. It's dirty, <laughs> whatever it's clean, you want to know. Yeah. Here's from our side of it. Here's everything, and the other side of it, it's not talking. And so it's. And I'm not saying he that, no, that he no. has to. He doesn't owe anybody. That is not something he owes the general public. He like, is allowed to keep that private and personal. But it is interesting how these stories develop, because and, and something like this is very rare in the NHL. I. I think it's interesting, especially because certainly you and I are very pro player from a standpoint of if that guy decided he didn't want to play for that organization, fair enough, right? Like you don't have a problem with that side of it. It's more of the how he went about it, refusing to meet with their GMs and and not showing up at all. Well, when you, I know there's a lot of people who are the Eric Lindros thing is getting brought up, which is so dumb. Completely not relevant. Yeah. (laughs) A recent avalanche example of of this would have been Drew Hellison. Yep. Drew Hellison had told the abs and said, Hey, you know, I'm not sure that I'm ready to sign. 
I want to turn pro. And I don't see how I fit Look here at your again. organization. It is stocked with defensemen. So I'm not sure that I have a path forward here. And the Avs said, okay, fair enough. We'll find a home for you. And went and got Josh Manson. Yep. On their cup run, like used him in a deal. Like that is a situation where you're like, Drew Hellison, there was no, there was no, uh, that there's communication there. No bad blood. Yeah, there's sure. no like everybody, like Drew Hellison makes his decision and says, hey, this is how I am. And the abs are like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to do what we need to do then. And it was all good. And it doesn't, uh, nobody comes out of that with hurt feelings. Yep. It was, there's a reason for it. And that's the communication from the player side creates that. Uh, I guess that that line of acceptance from everybody involved that says we know what the score is we can understand we understand what's happening here and that's that's to me that's that's how this should work yep how this went where certainly again because the flyer side is the only one that's talking they're like we tried we tried and we tried we we couldn't get this guy to meet with us we couldn't get him to talk with us we couldn't get him to acknowledge that we exist whatever and it in that part of this, uh, my biggest question: He's a kid. Yep. You know, anybody under the age of 20, 21 years old is a moron. Doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> this especially comes across as really immature from what we, from the one side of the story yeah. that we've heard. I'm really disappointed in the adults around him that didn't that help did him not, out a little bit yeah, here. That yeah. did not say, "Hey, there's a way to do this. Yeah, there's a way to be." And we were talking about this off air last night a little bit that uh, I, I said, you know, this is way more than the flyers that are going to be turned off by this. Yep. There's a lot of organizations that are going to look at that behavior and they're going to say, want nothing to do with it. Um, yep. This is it's going to be it's going to be if for whatever reason, things don't go swimmingly in Anaheim and he's going to get moved at some point. He's going to yep. be part of whatever he wants out again, whatever it may be. It doesn't go well there. You the number of teams, that thing down a whole lot. The number yeah. of teams that might be interested in giving him more chances in the future is going to be smaller than before all of this had started coming out. Yeah. I, I will say a little bit of a different conversation, a Hellison second round pick to a fifth overall pick. There's bigger yeah, so implications there for a absolutely. hockey team. But couch side, obviously not this black and white, but Team Cutter or Team Flyers? Go ahead, Megan. I'm just trying to find out who his agent is. <laughs> That's what's interesting is the adults in the situation because Cutter's on the front lines of this and his career is going to be drastically influenced at 19 years old by this one thing. And it's really tough to see it kick off this way without knowing. You know, maybe it's deservedly, deservedly so. But... There are a lot of other adults beyond the 19-year-old in this situation that could have guided him differently, and the optics of it aren't good. I do think it's funny. Um, you know, the Flyers have been really forthcoming. I think it's an interesting component about where they're headed as a direction that I really appreciate. It obviously benefits both sides, and the Flyers really had no other choice but to do this. So from the business side of it, it makes sense. It's going to be potentially a great fit for Gautier in Anaheim with Leo Carlson and McTavish and Zegers, even though he's not having quite the season that I thought that he might. Um, you know, the range of pace and size that Gautier plays with and the fact that he does have the versatility, even though the Flyers refer to him as a wing, which I do find really funny um, to play center. Yeah, it's, it just, it's a great fit for Anaheim and their young forward core. And then Drysdale is a defenseman that's failed to launch because of injury struggles. And so I'm curious to see what they do there. Um, but I think that with some acclimation to the system that Torts coaches, he could fit in there too and be a helpful piece for the future that the Flyers are heading towards. But I'm not going to condemn Gautier fully because there are adults ahead of him in the line of succession here that need to take or need to answer for this a little sooner. And the Valnichushkin comparable is interesting because the Avs organization couldn't say much more. Really, it was up to Valnichushkin to shed light on the situation. And it feels similar here. Yeah. Like, Anaheim doesn't necessarily have much to say about this, but Gautier does. And I hope that his agent helps him to address this, at least in some way. It'll probably be vague, and it might even be in a notes app. But I do hope he gets a chance 
to share his side of things too. Either way, it doesn't look great for him. I hope it's something he can overcome and mature from because he is still only 19. And hopefully it starts now because this could really influence the rest of his career. Are you even a Zoomer if you haven't tweeted out a notes app that's notes 500 app work long? <laughs> Eric? Well, I don't like it at all. Uh, I got to be honest with you. Um, I haven't been a player. Like, I just feel it's a privilege to be in the National Hockey League. And I, I play with a guy named Wayne Gretzky, and I go back to him all the time. And I know it's a long time ago. I'm not trying to say... Uh, that you don't evolve with. But but the quality of the person always stays the same. And I don't know him. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm saying Wayne's a great person. And Wayne always told me, like, he could get drafted by Sault Ste. Marie back then in OHL, and it's a hole in the wall, and he's from right by Toronto and Brantford, and could have easy, you know, So I, and I know over the years he never liked guys manipulating the draft, and he never liked that because he's like, hey, I went to Sault Ste. Marie, you know. And so to, in retrospect, like, I, I just... I think you put a target on your back. It's so, I mean, oh, my God. We live it this year. Look at Sammy G, like, for example. And I'm not saying it's not like that in life, but we're talking about sports. It's a tough grind to play in the National Hockey League. It's tough, not just physically, but it's tough mentally. Now you're putting a target on your back. You are because, I mean, I heard Sanheim yesterday say something about, oh, when we heard he didn't go to development camp last summer, for us, we were like, the hell's wrong with this guy? So right away, you and I understand, you know, there's 32 teams and you have a short career. You can pick wherever you want to. I, that's fine. You know, it's, it's all good. But I, I don't have to agree with it. If you're asking me the question, I don't agree with it. I think this league is set up where you, you, you go and you're picked to go somewhere and that's where you go. And, and there'll be a time where you can make decisions to be a free agent. And now it's set up. Guys can, at a pretty young age, be free agents and decide where they go with their career or I just I I go back to Dubois for example I I don't like that it's twice now and is so I think this guy you're gonna see it again it's not the first time you see it you're gonna see it again uh, from him I, I'm speculating but I think you gotta respect the game and you know just go with the flow and you don't need to put extra pressure on yourself and and that's what you want to do that's fine and that's what your representation want to do then that's fine um, as a manager on the other side like. I would be ticked off a little bit. I do believe uh, Philly did it the right way. I do believe Philly, and that includes Danny and, and, and Jonesy and, and those guys. I do believe that it's been over a year now. He went to development camp after when His Fletcher was there. Fletcher, yeah. but you got to remember, Danny was there too. Danny was the assistant, right? You know, mm -hmm. Fletcher. And uh, <clears> obviously, uh, I was going to say Cliff, that's his dad. But anyway, Fletcher gets gassed and... You know, Danny takes over, but and then the kid doesn't come last summer, and that's where they lost con, you know, contact with him. They haven't heard from him since World Championships last year, when apparently they said they didn't want him to come. You want to stay one more year? I don't know. Last I checked, I call him the best player on the planet, Kel McCarr. Didn't really hurt him to go back for a second year in hockey. So for me, it's not the end of the world if that's what. And you're ticked off about that. Maybe there's more we don't know, but somewhere somehow. Philly? Like, really? No offense to different markets, but you hear guys that are, you know, manipulating the markets. They don't want to go to that place. And yeah. You're talking about Philly, one of the great sports towns in the United States. I mean, and you're talking about Keith Jones and Danny Briere. I'm sorry, but those are two quality people in the NHL. And so I, I have a hard time with it. I like how they did it for, for a year, basically. They didn't say anything. Cause, and I believe it. And they said it right out yesterday. We wanted to protect the kid. And I believe it because I know them both personally. I can tell you that they're not bad people. They're good people. And what if he changes his mind? We don't want him. If Philly's a tough market, you know, if he comes back and they're going to hold it against him. So I like the way they did it. They said nothing. They went, you know, behind closed doors. They applauded all the other teams. And maybe the Avs were one of those teams. Or We don't know, right? But everybody kind of kept it quiet. You're talking about an 18-year-old kid. Like, you know what I mean? Let's not make this out there where all of a sudden he's a villain or whatever it is. Let's protect him. And everybody was on board. And now you go to world championships and Gothenburg's a small town and, and you, your representation or forget about you. Cause you're trying to win a gold medal. I get that. It's a two week tournament, you know, but you can't sit. That's why GMs go to those tournaments. That's why presidents go to those tournaments. They make sure they sit with representation and 
and those guys. But you can't give those guys two minutes or even to get a, a why. That's fine. If you, I, I got no problem, like Rudo, like you know, said, like I, I got no problem with that. If the guy wanted to, just wants to go somewhere else, that's fine. That's so be it. And it's all different, right? Adam Fox did it. Guys did it. I mean, yeah. My God, Newhook did it. I mean, not Newhook. Uh, Kerfoot did it here, yep. right? With the you know, with Butcher yeah. and you know, like I'm okay with that. Jimmy Vizi talked to his dad last week. Great guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but here comes a time like you got to make a decision. That's fine. But I think there's a way to do it where you have to show respect a little bit to people that have been there before you. You know, and I think Danny and and Jonesy have accumulated a lot of respect around the league, you know, over the last 20, 30 years. And I think that that's a little weird that you won't give them the time of day. And whatever your answer is, whatever your answer is, yeah, it doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, they have no choice. Now they're like, okay, we got to get in front of this because this is going to come out now. This is going to get ugly. And then they make the deal that they make. And, and they seem to be very happy with their deal. It's awesome. I mean, great for them. And then obviously Anaheim seems to be happy with their deal. So that's awesome. I just don't like the... The non-communication, I, I, the non—for me, that's a lack of respect, and I, you know, that's the part I don't like. There's a tinge of entitlement in yeah. it, yep. and it feels like a clash of the new generation of players yeah. coming up and the traditional way of doing things. Like even to hear Sandheim say, "You go to development camp. That's just what you do." That's what you do. And looking at the rise in players advocating for their wants, needs, and having maybe a little bit more agency, there's lots of benefits to that, of course. I'm an advocate for that too. But this is an extreme case where it's almost as if the player felt entitled to their wants, needs, and approached it in a really avoidant way, which feels like a young thing to do. Yeah. Like a young person might be avoidant in this situation, and that's where the adults need to help guide them to do it the right way. It's not to say that if Gautier really didn't want to play in Philadelphia, he couldn't have advocated for himself. But the way he went about it, obviously, is where it feels like there's a tinge of entitlement. And I, to Eric's point, I'm it feels like there's more to this story. It feels quite personal because I don't see the harm in Philadelphia. It seems like a pretty decent destination. And I know Torts is a polarizing coach, especially with what we've been seeing with Morgan Frost recently. I don't know if that has any influence on it. But to see the Flyers group up close... That group really does love playing for him. I think, you know, inside the locker room, they really do rally around Torts as a coach. So I don't even like that the Kevin Hayes thing took off the way that it did because I don't think that was even soured to the degree that people are saying it was and that Hayes, you know, influenced Gautier to want to defect. Like, I, I just think that is where, like AJ was talking about, this is spun a little out of control. And I'll add one more to it. When I've heard it, and we've all heard it about the Lindros thing, right? You know, and people comparing to the Lindros thing. Oh, how ironic is it? The Flyers, you know, Lindros. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the Lindros thing, um, which ended up great for the Avalanche, as we all know now, right? Looking at you know later on, like it, it, it's 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 a big reason why the Avs became the Avs 1.0, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know. Um, given a lot of ingredients, right, for the recipe. No recipe, but they're, they're the ingredients. So what I'm trying to say about Lindros is, did he, did he piss me off, Lindros, as a player, like, back then? Like, being from the province of Quebec, like, yeah, I thought it was BS. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it was handled. But we only found out, what, 20 years later, the real reason why he did it. And he came out with it, and obviously it was all for the reason. And it's not for us to talk about here on this thing because it's not that type of show that we are. But yeah, and he had a real reason for it, and I respect. And then nowadays, and you know, Eric Lindros is married to a French Canadian girl, and you guys know I'm not that guy about the French part, you know. But Lindros is married to a, you know all those years he got the flack that he didn't like French people and they want to be in Quebec, and it had nothing to do with it. He decided to keep it to himself, and. He stood by his ground, you know, which that's fine. Looking back at it, there was a reason. I just don't see where there's a reason like that on this one. That's all I'm trying to say. You know, I, 20 years later, we can talk about it. We'll meet right here for a nice grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> like we do. And we'll try to find out, was there something? You know, I don't think there'll have been anything like that, you know, of trying to stick to your guns. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to speak. So that's just what I'm saying about the Lindros comparison. Well, unfortunately, you cannot bet on which player is going to 
ghost their next team. But you can bet on hockey when it comes to DraftKings Sportsbook. Go get yourself signed up with DraftKings Sportsbook today. And when you get in on the new action as a new customer with code DNVR at sign up, you bet five bucks on any hockey game and you instantly get $200 in bonus bets. If you want some good bets right now, the Avs have not scored less than four goals in the year of 2024. Uh, you also have not had Georgiev hit the over on saves in the year of 2024. It's been all under. And that's not even saying Georgiev is bad. Just that the Avs do not give up very many shots yeah, that's right. at Wasn't all. Wasn't he one save shy last night? He was, yeah, exactly half a save shot. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got some great options when it comes to hockey over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Of course, you don't have to bet on the Avs. You can bet on any other team in the league. Or if you're a crazy person, you can uh, bet. I guess you don't have to be a crazy person. Maybe you're not from the U.S. And you can bet on European leagues and things like that. So, get on it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Get in there with that new account in the DNVR code. Put 5 bucks on a hockey game. You get $200 in bonus bets instantly. You can drown download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Uh, to get in on it with that DNVR code. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are a registered trademark of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. All right. We are also brought to you by, after all of that, College Invest. Go get yourself a good college education. Don't be like Cutter Gauthier and <laughs> ignore all of your superiors, but go there and maybe if you don't want to play for uh, your hockey team, stay for a full four years. Go get that degree. Do it with College Invest. Unfortunately, not all of us are as good as Cutter Gauthier at hockey, so <clears throat> might be hard to uh, get a scholarship or something like that, and that's why College Invest is important, so you can have a plan and you can be prepared for college in the future for your kids or whoever it is that you might be saving up for. Jump on it. Uh, you even get a benefit from a Colorado tax deduction when you do get your College Invest plan rolling, uh, and savings can even be used for things like trade schools and apprenticeships, too, so... Plenty of options from it when you open your account at collegeinvest.org today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. And I want to I wanna take this conversation and kind of backdoor my way into this other conversation. As uh, Trevor Zegras did come up, you're looking at an Anaheim forward core now where they maybe have one too many uh, eggs in the basket. Hmm. <laughs> AJ wrote a massive piece on the DNVR.com today. Go read it if you want to get a feel for the landscape of the Avs situation when it comes to the trade market in the league right now. Trevor Zegras, one of the names that potentially comes up for the Colorado Avalanche. Let me start here. Is this a real possibility for this season for Colorado? Or are we talking about a longer term view? for someone like a Zgross if he's potentially on the table? I think for Zgross, no. Um, not in season. Okay. Um, it does, it is starting to feel like he's the odd man out there. Yeah. You know, for um, sure. just we start Leo, you know, Leo Carlson and Mason McTavish already one, two down the middle. Yep. Um, and there's no, there's no reason for them to be looking to move either one of those guys. Those no are shot. your foundational pieces. You keep those guys. Yeah. Um, what, I do think it's kind of funny. Carter Gaudry uh, leaves Philadelphia and suddenly he's a wing. <laughs> um, a year ago, I wonder if you would have asked those guys if they would have said he's definitely a center. Yeah. But we'll it's, see we'll see what position he ends up playing a guy they literally sent back to the minors early in his career to go play more center yeah <laughs> just funny and yeah trevor's yeah the, i forgot about that yeah. with <laughs> um and and zgross at the moment is playing left wing alongside adam henrique so it's not like he got pushed out <laughs> because leo carlson is just like this, I'm just that good. we just used our second overall pick yeah. you know like 
it's Adam Henrik. Like, no, obviously Adam Henrik's had a great career, but come on. <laughs> so uh, I, I would say no for the Avs and Zgross right now. The only way I think that becomes a real conversation is the Ducks win the draft lotto and take Macklin Celebrini. Sure. Because <laughs> if you have Macklin Celebrini, Mason McTavish, and Leo Carlson, now you're going. You're out of room, bud. You're yeah. like, okay, this will be fun while they're all on their ELCs. We can't pay all these guys. Yep. Uh, and so that's that's when the conference. And then Cutter Gautier is definitely a wing. Um so that's that would be a situation where it would be like, okay, now you engage them on which one do you think you might be able to pry out of there? It's probably McTavish because you're looking at Celebrini and Carlson as potentially the really, really high-end guys. Sure. Um, and McTavish is the guy that probably uh, has has a better chance of being just like a an actual two C lowest ceiling. If they actually hit their yeah, ceiling. Exactly. And so that's, that's where if, I guess if you're hoping for something crazy, that would be it. Them getting the first pick and getting, and, and taking Celebrini. I would imagine that Peverbeek is not in a hurry to make that deal. Yeah. And would prefer to start with Zgross. Yep. I would, a, I would guess so. Especially if they get Celebrini. Uh, they, it feels like, you know, after that, maybe on the draft floor, they, they give Celebrini the Ducks jersey, and then they're like, yeah, we're done. We're done with the Zgrass thing. <laughs> um, then it maybe becomes a higher priority instead of like, we're open to this. And from an abs perspective, that's probably a Byram conversation where sure. it would be kind of funny for them to go from Jimmy Drysdale yeah, to Bowen Byram. Kind of the same guy yeah, in a guys lot of who ways. Pretty similar paths up to this point outside of Jimmy Drysdale doesn't have 20 fantastic games in the postseason in the middle of a Stanley Cup run Yeah, uh, to his name. So that I think uh, for the for the Ducks and Zgross I think that that's it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in season. Sure. Um, it would be more of a summer thing, but also, is Zgross really the kind of guy that you're going to entrust the 2C spot to? Is that the kind of guy you need? I don't... I, Eric's shaking his head no, so we'll get his we'll get his <laughs> thoughts on this in a sec. For me, I'm, I'm saying I can understand where they would take that chance, and this becomes an, an another reason why it's not an in-season thing. It's especially true if Gabe Landeskog ends up healthy. Yeah. Because then you have all these little worker bees in Landeskog, Nachushkin, and Lekkinen. To a lesser extent, Logan O'Connor and Miles Wood and Ross Colden also, like, in your forward core. We're like, there's a lot of responsible adults. We can live with one, you know, one of these nonsense <laughs> kinds of guys. You know, this, this we can live with this guy that's kind of this high-wire act. He's trying to do some silly shit all the time. <laughs> and, it, you know, might be a little bit more selfish in how he plays the game. You have that already with McKinnon and Ranton in at times, but those are elite players, and you kind of just let them live in their own universe. Yep. Trevor Zegras isn't that caliber of player. He's, he could be really, really good. But is he more the Matt Duchesne style of player as, like, this guy shouldn't have been your best center? Sure. If, if he's your best center, your team sucks. Good. Yeah. Um, and, and is more of a complimentary guy. If you have all that, all that infrastructure around him, can you survive it? I guess that's my question for Eric, who seems to think this answer is no. No, I, no, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in before Megan, but yeah, I, again, no offense to him or whatever. I, I just, as a player, you know, if I can compare, let's say, Mason McTavish, you know, another high-end pick, like I, I take McTavish, but I don't think Verbeek's going to give him to us. You know, yeah. man, I, where I think they're going to, they, he would give us Zegras. And you see the difference in that's. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that I don't know. I don't know how to say. Like, I feel like you just summed up why every fantasy trade doesn't work because the guy that you want is not for sale. That's it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what I mean. Like, and what you're talking about? What was McTavish? I mean, he was, what pick was? Was he, like? he fifth, fourth? I don't know. Fifth? I mean, Zegris is what Jesus. 11, top 10, ten for sure. I mean, okay, yeah. so is Zegris, right? I mean, yeah. what is he? Eleven, ten? You know, I'm trying to show the difference. I, I just think one is a very skilled, and again, I don't know him. Um, personally, as a person, as you know, 
I'm just going purely hockey. One's a skilled individual, you know, very skilled. I mean, it doesn't get more skilled than that. And by the way, I am not. Oh, I mean, I am old school. I'm still mad they took out the red line. So, you know, mm-hmm. what I, it is what it is. But I'm saying I, I'm, I'm able to adapt and I'm not. And you guys know I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm all for skill. And the guys are so much better nowadays than we were. And it's so much faster. And deal. it's so elite. And it's so fun to watch. And, and I don't care if guys do the Michigan. It, it, it doesn't bother me. Like it does. And to some guys it does. Like yeah. to me it doesn't. Uh, what I'm trying to say is more as a, as a game. Uh, as 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 a five man unit, as twenty guys in the dressing room, you know, I just feel that he's very skilled. I don't know if he knows how to play the game, and I think he's having a hard time with Cronin. That we all know, Cro's so like you know methodical and everything, and teaching you the right way. And that he's having a hard time with it. I know he's been injured, and I'm not here to peel his onion. You know what I mean? But if you're asking me, like, would I do it? Would I like a guy like that? I don't think for me as a two C. For, for the avalanche would be an answer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't think it's a fit. We talk about Rigel all the time. Like, we, it's not a fit. You know, Rigel is a good player, and he, he could be a good player somewhere. But even Tuna, to a certain extent, right? I, we're big fans of Tuna. To talk. It yeah. just didn't fit. It wasn't a fit here. And sometimes you have to try it to see. Uh, but on this case, I don't <coughs> think I would try it to see if it was a fit, because I think it wouldn't be a fit. And then the, the price of acquisition would be, you know, Significant, right? Yeah. You know, oh, because yeah. he's a good player. You know it is I mean? not so, like getting Ryan Johansson that, no, that's for what free I'm trying to from say. the press. And it's not tuna. It's, it's a deep cut. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So for me, it's to try to see if that's a fit. Like, I wouldn't do it. You know I mean? For those reasons. I don't think it would be a fit. Uh, and, and I'm sure he's a, he's a wonderful young man, and I, I don't know him. Uh, but I, I just think, hockey-wise, it's not my thing. You know, um, I think that there's more out there to explore, like you did on your your piece which was awesome uh it's a lot of work and it's not easy it's not easy it's not easy to write about it but it's not easy to go and do either it's a lot harder for mcfarland to do what he's trying to do than what i did trust me and those guys c mac and the crew work at this every day you know what i mean and, and it, it's every day try to see how can we make this better and on a perspective of the team and around the globe right from from you know junior kids to free agents and the KHL or whatever it is, who, you know, the Kovalenko and how's he going to fit in? And it's a big puzzle and it's not that easy, but my answer on Zegers would be no, you know, for, for those reasons. Megan, you talked about the Avs locker room. They feel pretty comfortable as a team right now. It sounds like even with some of the pieces they're missing, in your opinion, how important is it that they solve that two C spot still? It's essential. And I would be a no on Zegris for similar reasons. It's a locker room fit. I think that they would lean on the input of players like McKinnon and Rantanen. And that's not to say there's a personal beef between those players and Zegris. I just don't think they would see the cultural fit. And I look at what Cronin said when he essentially inherited Zegris as a player, that he needed to teach him defense. And this is something Cronin has said about established players in the league. There is just sometimes a part of their game that they never had to learn, that they have to start from scratch. And I would be more encouraged by Zegris at least a year under Cronin because I think those teachings would really implement important habits. But I look at even the fit of Jonathan Drouin, who is an established NHL player who has played for a few different organizations now, and has been given a lot of responsibility, even just at wing, had to embrace the two-way game just to fit in in Colorado. And I think that he's a mature player, an adult, if you will, that was able to embrace the two-way game, and that's why he's had some success in Colorado. That would be my fear with Zegras, especially with the defensive responsibilities that come with 2C. I don't know if he could hang with the adults. I think that he could try, but I just don't know that he would have it in him to fit what the Avs would need from him at both ends of the ice. And I think the skill upside is so much fun, but what they need there is not what Ryan Johansson brings. They need a little bit more skill upside. The speed needs to be a better fit. And it's just a different type of player than Zegers, but it's also a need that hasn't been met with this current Avs group that... 
I think they're crying out for. I love Logan O'Connor, but he shouldn't necessarily be playing a second line role. I think that nope. <laughs> the way the team is currently constructed is in response to Ryan Johansson not working out as their second line centerman. And I'd rather see them have the flexibility to make fun decisions with the forward group and not desperate decisions. Sure. Love the answer. Um, it's part of the, uh, they could also just call up Crow and be like, what's up, dog? <laughs> Sup with this. What's the real deal? Yeah. And, and if they make that move, then you can feel pretty confident that Crow signed off and was, was like, he's going to be yeah. okay. I believe that. I would and trust that. If they don't, doesn't mean they call him up or not. They just maybe weren't interested. But it also drives home that in season it doesn't make a lot of sense because you're not going to take that guy off Anaheim's left wing yeah. and drop him into your center spot and be like, all right, you've got 20 games. Figure it out, bud. To try and figure this out. Before we go on a Stanley Cup run, um, I hope that you get it. I hope it, I hope it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and when you use Jonathan, you bring up Jonathan Durant, that guy – it took a lot of humility yep. that he had to go through. Scored one point in ten games to start this season. Well, and I mean in his career oh, to get to that. get to the point where he was willing to be like, I am going to make less than a million dollars because I am valuing opportunity and a fit and all these other things. And Trevor Zegras not at that point in his career nope. right now. No, nope. so he may not. He and this isn't. I don't know this. I'm just saying. It took a lot for Jonathan Duran to get there. It took a lot for Alex Galchenyuk to get there, who I know that that's Crow said that about his game last year, rebuilding his defensive game from the ground up. It took a lot to get there, and Trevor Zegras hasn't gone through any of that yet. He may not just be there. He could be fully capable of it. We don't know. You don't trade what it will cost to get Trevor Zegras and just hope that you find out midseason <laughs> and just that it... yeah. Well, this could be fun. Yeah, this this could also sink you. Yep. Uh, yep. If you want to figure out more potential options from the Avs, ranging from Morgan Frost to Elias Lindholm, go read AJ's piece over mm. on the dnvr.com. He covers every team in the NHL that the Avs could potentially trade with in that thing. So It was fun to... I was like counting them down in my brain. I was like, there's 12, there's 15. Oh, there's the island. That's 16. I'm like, all right, this is, this is getting a lot. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah. And I got to the end. I was like, there's only 31. It took me a second. Because the abs are 32. Yeah, because I was like, right. The abs aren't going to trade Ryan Johansson for Ryan Johansson. Mm-hmm. AJ, AJ. Be an all-timer trade right there. Yeah. I do talk about Adam Henry quite a bit, though. I don't hate that. <laughs> a lot of options, and I'm sure you'll hear a lot. More from us about potential trade deadline stuff. It's still a little early. Probably more around February. We'll really start ramping up the the trade deadline. Yeah, chat. We say that and we but. talk about it like every third show. <laughs> it's because it's what the chat wants, man. Yeah. <laughs> understandably, <laughs> understandably so. But part of it is also because Ryan Johansson's game just has not done anything. Ross Colton continues to be hurt. And it's just like, what do you talk about every day? Best I can do is seven bucks for a snarf sandwich. Yum. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good deal, I'm right? I'm so hungry right now. It sounds so good, man. <laughs> That's wrong. Go get yourself some snarfs if you're like half of our beat and forget to eat breakfast. <laughs> snarfs has you covered. Uh, a bunch of different locations here in Colorado. Uh, delicious sandwiches no matter what you're into. If you like a simple plain ham and cheese, they got you covered with that. If you like a fancy, complicated, all the toppings, all the fixings, all the meats, they got that too. Yeah. So Snarfs covers you top to bottom, whatever it is you might need, even if it's burgers. They have three Snarf burger locations. So if you want a lunch burger, they got that too. Hit them up. Get yourself some delicious Snarfs today. And once you got your Snarfs, make sure you're eating it under a sound roof. Go to Red Hawk Roofing to get your roof inspected. They do free inspections. They'll come out, get onto your roof, take pictures, come back, show you everything going on up there. Most of the time, it's probably fine. You'll probably be all right, and it costs you nothing to get it inspected. But if there is something wrong, they'll let you know. You can go to redhawkroofing.com to get a hold of them, and they'll fix it up for you. Even if you haven't gotten your inspection, they have 24-7 on-call people. So if you spring a leak in the middle of the night or something, you can give them a call. They'll come out. They'll patch it up for you. Whatever it is, they'll take care of your roof here in Colorado. And they're local, too. So support local like us uh, with Red Hawk Roofing. Get over to Red Hawk Roofing. 
third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, another happenstance of the NHL that probably does affect the Avs down the line to some extent. Willie Nylander signing his contract for $11.5 million per for eight years with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Before we get to the Avs stuff, let's start with the Leafs side of this conversation. The Leafs now, next year, will be paying their top four forwards north of $46 million. Over half the salary cap on four players. Not to say that other teams aren't that far behind. The Avs next year will be paying, I believe it's about $37 million to their top four players. One of them is a defenseman in Kale McCarr. But a significant chunk of change as well. Just not the scary over half your salary cap number. My question is, can you build championship teams paying this many guys this much like Toronto is doing? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think time will tell, right? I mean, so far they haven't been able to fix the goaltending problem, right? You know, and I think it's been very glaring. Uh, is Martin Jones or, I mean, we all know Wall is a guy, but I, I don't know. I've never done it. So who knows? But Hill had never done it last year either. You're going to say, I get that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, does that work? I mean, Edmonton's kind of built that way a little bit too. Do, does that work? I don't know. It hasn't worked right to, to this day it is a copycat league until somebody does it maybe they'll, they'll start putting money into their top four players and I, but the like you said i think you said one thing that was very important right there the abs is you know 37 million whatever next year but there's a d in there so there's a yeah. big difference sure that makes a huge difference and only is it he's the best player in, on the planet so i mean time will tell on, on those things what would i do it I don't know, thinking uh, the, the least in the situation they're in, do you let them walk? I mean, <laughs> you try, I mean huh, what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, damned uh, either you know, way, kind of, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, think about that. If they trade William Leland or another leading scorer, or, oh, they should have tried last summer. I'm sure they tried. <laughs> and next thing you know, he bet on himself. Yeah. You have to raise your, tip your cap, you know, to a guy that bet, bets on himself. Some guys bet on themselves and it doesn't work. Uh, Thomas Tatar, on a very small scale, bet on himself, didn't work. I'm coming to the abs and I'm gonna right. I mean, Jonathan Drewins. Jonathan Drewins and it's himself. working. That's right. That's it, everybody's different. <clears throat> I played with a guy named freaking Yari Curry, one of the best right wingers in the NHL. Was scoring 70 goals a year. Look it up in those stats, and he was on one year deals every year. <laughs> one year deals because he was like, mm -mm, I'm not taking that five year, six year deal, or whatever. Where Grant Fuhrer did, you know what I mean? And then he's like, oh my god, I got screwed, you know. But and I'm not saying Furzy, I love him. I'm not saying that was a bad decision. I'm saying everybody's different. Everybody deals with it differently. Everybody's makeup is different to be able to handle situations. We, Nylander, you gotta you gotta tip it. I mean, oh my God, this guy is just having the <laughs> season of his life, and it's awesome. And now it's it's a few million bucks more than probably you know you thought you were gonna be able to get him at. But if you don't sign him, you're a moron. You sign him, you're a moron because it's too much. So it's like, where is it? I don't know, you know, but I think time will tell. Are they able to go forward with that core that's won one playoff round in so many years, right? I don't know, you know. Do I think things will change from what I've seen this year? I don't know. It looks a little bit of the same, right? You They're know the same mean? team. And yeah. I wish them well because... You know, especially Brad is a good friend of mine, but I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But I just feel that I know until I see it, like I I haven't seen it, you know. So, but good on him though, bet on himself and got the money. I mean, and you remember, right? people say, yeah, but Matthew Kachuk in Florida, no state tax, makes more money. And I, mean, I get that, but at the end of the day, this it's a, it's a copycat league about the numbers, and he's at eleven five. That's where he's at. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I just think it's a lot. Whatever, you know. It's not a few bucks. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that and it's because of past results. Like That's we the talk about yeah. players who have the championship <clears throat> mentality and players who've made it across the finish line and I still don't think Toronto has enough of that. And now they're handcuffed to really expensive contracts, their ability to 
bring in players like that is more limited than ever. Yep. And I think it's a necessary component for teams to have deep playoff runs. And I just am not a believer presently. Same situation for Edmonton, very similar. Even yep. Calgary has sort of handcuffed themselves to expensive contracts. Yep. It's just, and every team's going to spend their money somewhere. Like I look at Boston even last night, spending a lot of money in their goaltending, and it can be a strength and a challenge for that team. The Yavs find savings each year in interesting places that I still think they're going to manage to. Like, I don't know if what Druen's future is in Colorado. You know, is it a one-season thing, and does he maybe see knows, value yeah. past this season? But if they can find players that hit quite like that, because they took some swings in this offseason. Not all of them are huge swings for the fences, but a few of them hit too, at least – all right, maybe that's premature, but I think we feel pretty good about what Ross Colton is and Miles Wood and Jonathan Drouin to a different extent, Freddie Olofsson. I mean, even Kiviranta for what he is and what he's doing right now. Sure. Those are kind of hits. Like, all right, Johansson didn't pan out, Tatar didn't pan out. I think the number of hits compared to the misses is high enough. I have faith in the Avs front office to be able to manage then extensions for players like... Makar and Ranton, and when the time comes, I even think the Devon Taves extension was expertly done. I think it came in, you know, it's not a small price tag, but I think it came in at a number that was a little lower than even I was expecting. Yep. So I think they continue to find savings in an impressive way that I faith the Avs will work around this um, because I think that some of these other teams, like the Torontos, are cautionary tales. Well, and here's the difference for me. Yeah, in a couple of years, the Avs are going to have to pay Miko and Kale the big bucks. Yeah. But they already won one. There's already a cup backing that conversation in those contracts. There you go. Yep. Leafs don't have that. Edmonton doesn't have that. That's what I always go back to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, that's a huge <clears throat> argument there. With that being said. I think, well, I also think that you're just talking about how to build a roster and how not to. Yep. Because you look at those, those four guys in Toronto that they've built around, they spent the money on, you know, uh, JT's number will come down when he, for sure, is on his next deal. Yep. But Marner's is going to go up. Mm -hmm. And they just guaranteed that Marner's is going to go way up by giving Nylander the deal that they just did. Yep. So now it's like, okay, I understand you got to keep your guys, but you're, you're now going to be paying your third best forward $11.5 million. At, at, at any point, no matter what Miko Rantanen's next deal ends up being, at any point, Colorado's third best forward in the next several years won't make more than Gabe Landeskog's $7 million. So you're just talking about how to build a roster. And, he's, you know, Eric says it's a copycat league. Yeah, if a team could just copy and paste Kale McCarr, they would. Yeah. <laughs> but the Avs have that. Yeah. And they, they realize that in re-signing tapes is understanding that roster balance is huge. Yep. You 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 need a top defense pairing to go along with it. You look at all the teams that are winning Stanley Cups over the last several years. What is a common thread of all of them? You have a, you have center depth. You've got a you've got a true blue 1C. You've got a you've got a really good 1C or in St. Louis's case a 1C <laughs> having the best season of his life. <laughs> like a low end 1C that just goes bananas for you. Perfect. <laughs> All those other teams have top defensemen. You know, you 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 go you go you look at Alex Petrangelo, yep. Blues and Vegas. Yeah, that's a that's a top defenseman. Uh, the Abs with Kale McCarr, uh, Tampa Bay with Victor Hedman. Yep. You're you're talking. There's balance there. Well, Dad. not everybody has an Andre Vasilevsky back there like Tampa Bay did, but where the Abs have been able to get by is they save money where. Vegas got by is they save money at that position and they allocate it to being hard to play against at all levels in front of that guy. Make that guy's job as easy as possible and just hope that you get it right in net. At I, some point, you just have to hope. And right now, Toronto's plan and giving Nylander this deal, Toronto's plan is we have to hope that we get our bottom six right, which they haven't ever done. We have to hope that we get our entire defense right which they haven't ever done. And we have to hope that we've gotten goaltending right, which they haven't ever done. 
to even back up your point on balance, take a look at someone like the St. Louis Blues, who in that cup run, they had Alex Petrangelo at the top, and then in a secondary role behind him, you have a Colton Pareko, mm-hmm. who played so well in that role that St. Louis thought he could just replace Petrangelo. Right. And then you experience that, and you're like, oh, we were wrong. <laughs> but you also look at their depth as a team at forward that year, Yep. and you go down the lineup, and you're like, this... One through nine, for sure, is really good. Yep. One through 12 is miserable. Mm-hmm. But the defense is solid, and they got wonderful goaltending. None of that happens without wonderful goaltending. Yep. And so you need, yeah, winning a Stanley Cup's really, really hard. You need all these things to go right for you, and you need to just get lucky along the way, stay healthy enough, get the right matchups, get a couple of bounces along the way, blah, 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 blah. It's really, really, really hard. So you can control what you can control. And right now, what the Maple Leafs did is they just said, well, this guy's one of our best players, and he's having an amazing year. We can't just let him walk. A completely understandable approach. But the way that you have spent the money to build that roster almost ensures that you're behind the eight ball every single year. Yep, It's going to be really, really hard for them. In the same way that it is going to be really hard for the Avs. Yep. Because this makes sure Miko Ranton his next contract you seen dollar starts, signs it's, right it's, now. It yeah. starts with a 12. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, 12, it can't. It, it, it it's does. not going to be 11.6. He's been a far more productive player than William Nylander and a far more accomplished player. He's been one of the best postseason players in NHL history to date so far in his career. Gets overlooked because McKinnon and McCarr exist. <laughs> but he has been. He's been a top 10 postseason player ever. In points per game, yeah. So far in his career. And he's won a Stanley Cup. I don't know how... You would love to say he's not going to get McKinnon's money at 12.6. There's not a lot of wiggle room between 11.5 and (laughs) 12.6. And with the cap doing what the cap's about to do, Miko Rantanen might be like, are you for real? No. I want 13. I want 14. And if that happens, then Kale's going to get 16. You know? And <laughs> 2022 is going to be a lot of fun. I hope we remembered it well. <laughs> so, like, you know, Rantanen, you have a, the Avs have an elite center, an elite defenseman, and an elite wing. You can build around that for a long, long, long time. Yep. Toronto just paid a huge amount of money for their third best forward. And everybody can Two of which are wings, by the way. Yep. Two of which are wings. Yeah. It's not even center depth. Two of those guys are wings. Ooh, it's a challenge. I mean, you, you conduct your own business, right, as an organization, and you do what's best for you, right? But all I'm saying is, not pointing fingers, but C-Mac yesterday sees that deal, and he's like, oh, God, it just got tougher. You know what I mean? And that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to do what you have to do, but people and agents are always going to look over the fence and compare, right? That's what this business is built on. It's comparables, and... They'll just look over the fence and say, well, he got that. You know, what's my guy going to get? It's exactly what just happened with JT Comfort and free agency. That's it. Is Miko worth every penny? <laughs> I love him. So I, mean, I, I do love him. Yeah. And he does strike me as a player that wouldn't leave a lot of money on the table. Yeah. I think he's a good guy. Heart of gold. He's but held I, out once already. Uh, yeah. Career. So <laughs> I, I, I just don't know if he'll leave a ton of money on the table. Yeah. Not banking on it, for sure. Literally banking uh, with that amount of money. He's worth it. Okay. I I think he's probably worth it, but you never know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, as far as the abs are concerned. Who else can bunt like that? No (laughs) way. The best bunter in the league. We came up with that term. The bunt. He's I got like that. And that was, a fun, that was a fun goal. Yeah, that was a bunt. But. We have the sandwich and the bunt. All right. Yeah. Two different. <laughs> Does Miko even like playing hockey? He's just playing the <laughs> he just plays sport. other sports. Yeah. <laughs> he plays other sports while he plays hockey. You're going to start playing highlight. Now you just got to give him all the money. Yeah. Yeah. Highlight is great. Florida. That's fun. Now he needs to score in Michigan, and we can say he plays lacrosse, too. Oh, yeah. God. He has that in him, I think. Can you imagine him do a Michigan? I would die. die. Uh, That's all I really had for today, unless you guys wanted to touch on any other topics. No? What did you think of Jason Pollan's NHL debut? That he should have gotten more minutes? (laughs) I didn't, you know, I'm reflecting on a world where the Couts and the Maltsevs played for the Avs and you didn't see any impact. 
And in the very limited time that Jason Poland played, he made sure at least to make an impact. And it just feels like a totally new chapter in terms of what I've seen from call-ups, generally speaking, this season. I think that a lot of players have bought into what they need to be doing, and maybe it's because those other players, they saw how limited that leash was and how limited the opportunity was if they didn't make an impact every shift. But for as small as it was, I thought it was a decent showing from Poland. They spent every shift in the offensive zone burying pucks deep. I don't know what more you can ask out of yeah, that Yeah, I was happy to see it. You got to go with the mentality that you might never get a shift again in the National Hockey League. So you take your nap, you eat a tiger steak, and you're ready to go. Like, rah, and eat the boards. What is a tiger steak? I don't know. That's what I tell kids all the time. <laughs> I, eat a tiger I, steak. It's made up. I didn't know. It's made up. <laughs> okay. It's like, You rah. eat a tiger steak. You just want to eat the boards when you get out there. Go. <laughs> just makes your body go, rah. Got it. Is it, is it like literally a tiger yeah, steak? Yeah, Is steak. that the implication? Yeah. Just eat it makes you into a tiger. Yes, eat tiger. Now you're. Now we're talking. Oh, I, what's the name of that? No, animorphs. we're not. No, we're animorphs. not doing. We, we got to yeah. get out of here. We're not doing this. All right. <laughs> uh, before we do get out of here, though, go to foco.com. Get yourself some Avalanche merch or any other Colorado sports team merch. Officially licensed apparel, bobbleheads, Crocs, pins, uh, blankets. You name it. They've got it all over at Foco. Uh, across all 50 states, too. You don't have to be an Avs fan. I know we have some other sports team fans in here. You can get your stuff at FOCO as well. Use code DNVR10 to get 10% off your order with FOCO.com. Uh, nuggets are going to kill me if I keep this show going any longer. So we appreciate <laughs> Now we're doing it tomorrow. Uh, we appreciate you uh, a bunch, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> We all silly like the mayor. 